Deuteronomy 23. He who is emasculated by crushing or cutting shall not enter into Yahweh's assembly. A person born of a forbidden union shall not enter into Yahweh's assembly. Even to the tenth generation shall no one enter into Yahweh's assembly. An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into Yahweh's assembly. Even to the tenth generation shall no one belonging to them enter into Yahweh's assembly forever. Because they didn't meet you with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt. And because they hired against you Balaam the son of Beor from Pithor of Mesopotamia to curse you. Nevertheless, Yahweh your God would not listen to Balaam, but Yahweh your God turned the curse into a blessing to you. Because Yahweh your God loved you. You shall not seek their peace nor their prosperity all your days forever. You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor an Egyptian, because you lived as a foreigner in his land. The children of the third generation who are born to them may enter into Yahweh's assembly. When you go out and camp against your enemies, then you shall keep yourselves from every evil thing. If there is among you any man who is not clean by reason of that which happens to him by night, then shall he go outside the camp. He shall not come within the camp, but it shall be when evening comes, he shall bathe himself in water. When the sun is down, he shall come within the camp. You shall have a place also outside of the camp where you go relieve yourself. You shall have a trowel among your weapons. It shall be when you relieve yourself, you shall dig with it and shall turn back and cover your excrement. For Yahweh your God walks in the middle of your camp to deliver you and to give up your enemies before you. Therefore your camp shall be holy, that he may not see an unclean thing in you and turn away from you. You shall not deliver to his master a servant who has escaped from his master to you. He shall dwell with you among you in the place which he shall choose within one of your gates, where it pleases him, you shall not oppress him. There shall be no prostitute of the daughters of Israel, neither shall there be a sodomite to the sons of Israel. You shall not bring the hire of a prostitute or the wages of a male prostitute into the house of Yahweh your God for any vow, for both of these are an abomination to Yahweh your God. You shall not lend on interest to your brother, interest of money, interest of food, interest of anything that is lent on interest. You may charge a foreigner interest, but you shall not charge your brother interest, that Yahweh your God may bless you in all that you put your hand to in the land where you go into possess. When you vow a vow to Yahweh your God, you shall not be slack to pay it, for Yahweh your God will surely require it of you, and it would be a sin to you. But if you refrain from making a vow, it shall be no sin in you, you shall observe and do that which has gone out of your lips, whatever you have vowed to Yahweh your God as a freewill offering, which you have promised with your mouth, you must do. When you come into your neighbor's vineyard, then you may eat your fill of grapes at your own pleasure, but you shall not put any in your container. When you come into your neighbor's standing grain, then you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you shall not use a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain grain. There's a lot of things in this chapter, but I want to talk about two. I want to talk about the eunuchs and the Moabites. And it said in the very first verse of this chapter that a eunuch, 
someone who was emasculated through cutting or crushing was not welcome in the Lord's assembly. So this is a eunuch. Now this sounds terrible. <laughs> you might think to yourself, oh dear, you know, what if someone has a workplace accident, you know, and they, they're injured, and so now they're emasculated, and are they not allowed to come to church? <laughs> well, really, that's not what this is talking about. What we're talking about here is a society and a culture where eunuchs were, were common for the worship of other gods and for the service in a king's household where the king would have many, many wives, like a harem. And these eunuchs were basically men that had been, you know, had their private parts uh, removed in a certain way so that they were not tempted to mess with the king's wives and his harem. So eunuchs really had a role in the types of things that didn't please the Lord at all. So what the Lord is saying, what, there's this really clear stand here saying that people who are involved in that whole lifestyle, they're not allowed to be a part of my temple, the Lord's assembly. They're not welcome. And when we, so I guess when the Israelites come into the land, this is a law that they've been told. Now, what's the result? People don't go cutting or crushing. They don't make eunuchs. In fact, there are no examples in the land of Israel of eunuchs. There are some examples of eunuchs, and we'll get to them in a minute, later in the Bible. But as a result of this law, it seems to have worked for them. So when they come into the land, there were obviously eunuchs already there in the other cultures. Those people were cut off. The Lord was removing all the evil from the land, but then they themselves didn't make more eunuchs. They didn't, the practice of keeping eunuchs wasn't a thing that kept on going. None of the kings of Israel had eunuchs. The, the worship of the Lord didn't require eunuchs. And so it's just a matter of understanding the context that eunuchs were, were men used to do the things that were, were immoral and displeasing to the Lord. The Lord didn't want that, so he made a law against it. If someone does that, you're not welcome to serve me. You're not part of what I'm doing. And so the result was, People didn't do that. And um, later in the Bible, though, something very interesting happens. We get to the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah has a whole prophecy where he talks about eunuchs. And it's in, it was in Isaiah 56, verse 6. And he says that if anyone, um, oh, I wish I'd written this down. It said that if anyone was a eunuch, that the Lord would promise them a name better than children, and he promised they would not be cut off. So what we're talking about here now is Israelites. Now, this doesn't make sense, but it makes sense once you understand what's happening to the Israelites. So you've got Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all of these men and heaps of others, they were taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and they were taken away into the land of Babylon, and guess what? All of them were emasculated and they became eunuchs. This is the reason why Daniel didn't have a wife and didn't, Daniel didn't have children. This is the reason why all these men were in the public service. They were serving the king as a eunuch. Family was not going to distract them at all. They weren't capable of having a family. And so we've got all these men. In fact, Daniel, he's just about the godliest man in the entire Bible. Daniel and Joseph, two very high men of high integrity, well, Daniel's a eunuch. 
And so if you didn't understand the context, you'd read Deuteronomy 23 and say, wow, Daniel wasn't allowed to go to church. He wasn't allowed to be a part of God's family. But no, that's not what Deuteronomy 23 is saying. Deuteronomy 23 is saying to people, don't go and become a eunuch. But in the case of Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were forced into that. And the Lord gives promises to people like that, like in Isaiah 56, that he would give them a name uh, he would give them a great name and that they would not be cut off from his people. That's a play of words there too, that they would not be cut off. And that's true. The name of Daniel has been remembered for, for 2,000, uh, you know, 700 years, basically. 2,000, hang on, 586 was... Basically, two two and a half thousand years, the name of Daniel has been remembered with such high regard and others like it. It's a real promise from the Lord. And interestingly, in the New Testament, there's a eunuch there in Acts chapter 8 as well. You can go read where Philip witnesses to uh, an Ethiopian eunuch who served Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. Now, here's a person who, who's from a foreign country, doesn't really know much about the Lord, but they've been made a eunuch by royalty so that they can serve royalty, but their heart is for God. And that man becomes you know, a follower of Christ, and he ends up going back to Ethiopia, taking the gospel with him. So there, are, it's not saying that you can't be a eunuch and love the Lord. The passage is really saying to the Israelites as they go into the land, don't become a eunuch, because those lifestyles were not the type of things that pleased the Lord. At um, The other thing I just wanted to mention here was it said that anyone who is a Moabite or an or a Ammonite, up to the 10th generation, was not allowed to, to enter the Lord's assembly. Now, that's, this is also another one of these very interesting things. Because when they go into Jericho in the early chapters of Joshua, there's a woman there called Rahab. Now, she's not an Ammonite, but she's an Amorite. But she sides with the Israelites. She's, you know, she hides the spies. We're going to cover all of that when we get to Joshua. But basically... She's the only one in the city of Jericho along with her family that's saved. And she ends up marrying Salmon or Salmon from the tribe of Judah. So here we've got in the tribe of Judah, a man called Salmon marries Rahab, who's a non-Israelite, and they have a son whose name is Boaz. Now, when we get to the book of Ruth, in about a month and a half's time, Ruth is from Moab. She's a Moabite. So according to this law here, Deuteronomy chapter 23, Ruth is cut off. She's not allowed to enter the Lord's inheritance. But Boaz marries Ruth. And that's a great, great story that we'll cover when we get there. But you can see how here's an example of a Moabite who's welcomed into the Lord's family. In fact, she's the great-grandmother of King David. And she's in the line of descendants that goes all the way down through to Jesus. So Jesus has in his family line an Ammonite, that's, uh, sorry, an Amorite, that's Rahab, and a Moabite, Ruth, and along the way, some other interesting people as well. And so we've got what seems like an apparent contradiction that, um, you know, how can Ruth be allowed in the family of God? She's a Moabite. But the truth is that when you come into the family of God, you're not what you were. You're a new creation and you're changed. So, <laughs> so once Ruth got married to Boaz, she wasn't a Moabite anymore. She was an Israelite. She belonged to the Lord's family. She was changed. It's the same when you or I become a believer, we're changed. So you might technically still be Australian. You might technically still be a, you know, a Canadian or an African or 
an Asian or Chinese or you know an Icelandic person or whatever. That's your nationality, but your identity is now you're a Christian. You've you've changed. But if Ruth had not, if Ruth had not uh, married Boaz and remained a Moabite and not followed Naomi and not you know, not that whole story, then no matter how many children you could say, all right, let's count off ten generations from Ruth and then her children. Those 10 generations later, they can go into the Lord's assembly, but no, they can't because they're Moabites. You see what I'm trying to say? Even though it says 10 generations, the truth is if you remain outside of God's family, you're outside of God's family. But if you come into God's family, you're changed and you're now not an outsider anymore. And so that's the wonder of it all in terms of Jesus Christ. So we see these things. And um, these tribes, the Moabites, the the Ammonites, they worship terrible gods like Chemosh and Molech and they worship gods and their whole way of life was horrid. But when someone comes along who turns their back on that like Ruth and they say, I'm going to, she said to Naomi, your God will be my God. When someone does that with the Lord Jesus Christ, they are welcome in the Lord's assembly. So we've got these laws here. They're very practical for the time. They're helping the Israelites to stay separated from those neighboring tribes around them. They're not going to marry with Moabites. They're not going to, but, but if those people change, like Ruth did, they're welcome in the Lord's family, just as many Egyptians were welcome in Israel when, when the tribes left Egypt. So Father, these are interesting passages about eunuchs and about Moabites. And Father, I see, we see here laws that highlight the immorality and the things to avoid, but at the same time, they highlight how when anyone has a change of heart, how they are welcome in your family. And I pray, Lord, that that we and all the people who are around us, that we would be people of a changed heart, people dedicated to Christ, people brought into the family of God, people who belong. Thank you, Lord. We belong in the Lord's assembly. So, Lord, let our faith and our love grow. In Jesus' name, amen.